Malkinu, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey the word that I hear today, B'Shem Yeshua, in Yeshua's name. Amen. Last week, um, we started a series, Hope in a Hopeless World, and in that message, I spoke specifically about the necessity of hope. And I gave 10 reasons why hope is a necessity and how well we hope will move us uh, forward into God's promised future for our lives, which is um, good for us. Hope propels us into the future that God has for our lives. This week, I'll be speaking on how to get a hold of hope. Because sometimes when you feel like you really hope's not, you, you don't have it. How do you get a hold of it? And we're going to be talking about that today. Um, so yeah, just open your hearts. Ask God to speak to you. Because although, you know what, I find, you know, after, you know, so many years of, you know, speaking, there's really nothing terribly new, right, under the sun. The Word of God, all of us probably read it every single year, at least once. Um, you know, but it's in the um, implementation of the Word of God that our lives are changed. And we could probably all attest that perhaps we drop the ball occasionally, maybe some more than occasionally. And it's about being encouraged to, to go back to those things that are tried and true, that work. And that will indeed change our life uh, for the better. So uh, have an ear to hear. You know, our society often seeks to find hope in external realities, such as the economy, right? People always look into that economy. And to social causes, especially in, in this day and age. And depending on how things are going from a particular person's perspective, um, will often determine the level of hope that they're living in or walking in. Uh, some, like, for instance, some people these days might feel despair because of the goings-on in the world and so on and so forth. Um, but I want to tell you, like, for instance, if a person has a decent salary, can pay their bills, and has a few shekels for entertainment, they might feel hopeful about their financial future. Um, that same person, if they get, you know, a pay cut and lose the, some money in their 401k, they might feel unsettled to the point where it begins to diminish their outlook on the future. So their outlook is directly dependent upon how their finances are doing or how their life is going, so on and so forth. Um, hope, biblically speaking, means, hear this, hoping when things are hopeless. That's biblical hope. Not hoping when things look hopeful. <laughs> it's hoping when things are hopeless. Or it's no virtue at all, one writer said. As long as matters are really hopeful, hope is mere flattery or platitude. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to be a strength. Do you hear that? Hope, biblical hope, the kind of hope that God wants us to live in is hope that is alive and well even when we're in the midst of 
a hopeless situation, at least seemingly from our natural senses or from a societal point of view. Hope that lives eternally in our hearts. Um, And today I'm going to open the book of Titus to see what it has to share concerning where biblical hope comes from and how you and I get a hold of hope, a hope that lives beyond. Because I know some of your situations. Some of your situations, you're in situations where you say, I don't really see a resolve to this. I don't see how it's going to turn around. I don't see how it's going to work out for me. Well, I'm here to tell you that hope in God, and when it's alive in our hearts, causes us to go forward past the situation, the circumstance, and into the the designated future that God has for us. Friends, this is how the ancients saw the life of God realized in their life. We talked about it last week, uh, last week briefly when Abraham, who had basically a body that was incapable of bearing a child, Sarah as well, hoped, even though, could I, if I put it in today's modern terms, he went to the doctor and the doctor said, sorry, Abe, <laughs> uh, it's not going to happen. Sorry, Sarah, forget, you're not having a kid. It's just beyond hope. That's the news they were given. Yet Abraham was able to trust God. And what happened? Miraculous things. And so the nation of Israel is born, right? Because of a man who is willing to hope beyond hope. So the first thing I want to talk about today, just a couple of points to get us thinking. And and, and more importantly, I don't want you thinking, I want you acting on what you hear today, is relational hope. A magazine um, article wrote a story of a self-made millionaire, Eugene Land, who greatly changed the lives of a sixth grade class in East Harlem. Mr. Lang had been asked to speak to a class of 59 sixth graders, God bless him. And what could he say to inspire these students, most of whom would drop out of school? He wondered how could he get these predominantly um, ethnic children to even look at him and receive from him, coming from his position. Scrapping his notes, he decided to speak to them from his heart. And he said this, stay in school. Okay, you probably heard that before. No big deal. And he admonished, I'll help you pay for college tuition, every one of you, if you stay in school. For the first time, they had hope. One student said, I had something to look forward to, something waiting for me. It was a golden feeling, and nearly 90% of that class went on to graduate from high school. What was the difference between that class and every other class? They had hope that there was something beyond their current desperate situation. There was something waiting for them. That's the kind of hope I'm talking about. And in this story, the hope the children received came from a person. It was relational, right? It came from a person standing before them, giving them a promise that they obviously believed. Now, 
For us, hope comes from the same place. But it comes from Yeshua the Messiah who gives a promise, who stands before us, which is way better than any human promise. Amen? And it says in Titus, verse, you know, um, chapter, let me just get the chapter, chapter 2 and verse 11, it says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, training us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live in a manner that is self-controlled and righteous and godly in the present age, a.k.a., right, or Noah, sorry, right? We wait for the blessed hope and appearance of the glory of our great God and Savior, Messiah Yeshua. He gave himself for us so that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and so that he might purify for himself a chosen people zealous for good deeds. So communicate these things and encourage and correct with complete authority and let no one look down on you. Well, just like the students in our story who, because of hope, did well in school and graduated, so we too should be motivated by the hope we receive from Yeshua. And this passage of Scripture points out several things that will result from that hope. The first thing is that we will have a living, uh, we will be able to live a, a godly life. Uh, a life consistent with the word of God, consistent with um, a God who, listen, he has a track record, doesn't he, as we read the parsha today, that he will put up with sin only so long, right? I mean, I don't know if that ever blows you away, but you only make it six chapters into the Bible, six chapters, and God looks at the earth and says, no good. Think of that. Six chapters, God decides he's going to destroy the earth. And then what does he do? He makes a system for us so that we could live a godly life. So in our story, the students were inspired by the promise that gave them hope of a better future. And we are inspired by a better future by living our lives as God has instructed us, if indeed we live our lives as God instructs us. And this requires self-control and discipline. But it is inspired by the hope of what God promised. God promises us eternal life. He promises us that he will be with us every step of the way of this very challenging life that we live. Life isn't easy. But God promises to be with us if we will live a disciplined life, self-controlled, obeying his word, living by his principles. Hope, when we do that, hope springs forth in us. We realize that God is not kidding around, that God has a plan for our lives. And when we live godly and live in the right way, God's benefits and blessings always shower down to us. So it's really important. In Devarim 26, in verse 18, it says, Now today Adonai has affirmed you as his treasured people. Isn't that cool? As he promised you that you are to keep all his mitzvot. In other words, because he loves you and treasures you, he he wants you to obey his word. Because in his word, you're going to find hope. 
in his word, when you obey it and follow it, you're going to sense his presence with you every step of the way. We go through challenging times in our health. We go through challenging times with our family. We go through challenging times in our vocation. We go through challenging times as a student. We go through challenging times with our finances. Challenging times aren't going to slow down. They're going to continue because that's just what happens in life. But God says that as we live a godly life and apply self-discipline and self-control and say yes to obey his ways, that God is going to enable us to get through every challenge and bring hope in our hearts that we're going to really believe like those kids believed. I mean, think about it. What proof did they have that that man standing before them that day was going to actually pay their tuition in college, which is quite expensive, isn't it? What proof did they have? What evidence? It was just his word. How much more do we have Yeshua who did something for us already? Who's standing before us and telling us that he's going to help us every step of the way. But just like those kids applied themselves, right, to see the promise realized, so God is looking for us to apply ourselves to his word, to his standards, right? To do the things he requires us to do because he knows what it takes to get to the finish line. Amen? The second thing that happens that results from hope, how many people are patient people? Would you say you're patient? Okay, you want to know how we know we're not patient? When you go to the drive-up window of the fast food restaurant and they say, could you wait five minutes? Five minutes? Wait five minutes? Wait five minutes? You get your, your, your feathers are ruffled. What do you mean wait five minutes? I don't want to wait five minutes. Give me, give me the goods now. This is fast food. Hope allows us to wait. That's why we're probably not good often waiting on the promises of God because there's really not hope living in our hearts. When hope is alive in our hearts, God could promise us something and it could still be afar off, but yet in our hearts we know that we know that we know it's going to happen. I could think of three major things in my life, and this is the interesting thing about God. When God spoke it to my heart, I totally didn't see it coming to pass. And it seemed like I waited forever and ever and ever, and it never came. But then one day, it happened. It just sprung forth. God made the doors open, aligned everything, and it worked out perfectly. Wow. And you think you would say, well, that would give you fuel for the next time. But it's interesting. In God, the next promise that he gave me took almost double the time. But the more you connect with him on a relational level, the more you're able to trust him for an extended period of time. You see, trust comes from relationship. 
Those kids connected to that man. I want to tell you, this is what we do in faith sometimes, and this is where we're hindered. We try to apply faith like it's a formula. I'll just keep the 613 commandments and I'll be fine. Well, those 613 commandments are reflective of the person of God. Are you in relationship with the person of God? How good is that relationship? How current is that relationship? When's the last time you spoke with God? Sought his face? Worshiped God? When is the last time you connected with God? You know, for a lot of believers, I don't know where you guys are at in your personal life. I don't know what you do every day. But for many believers, they don't have a regular time of connecting with the person of God. And I want to say this. Try to get away with that in your marriage. And expect it to be, expect, expect um, it to be hopeful. You know, women... Um, or our wives might get very, very down on us if there's not, not that strong relational connection. And I want to encourage us as believers, you know, we call ourselves believers, right? Interesting, we're believers. Believers in Yeshua. But how much time do we actually spend connecting to Yeshua? Do we even know Yeshua? Or how well do we know Yeshua? It's a valid question. What I'm saying is, the more we know him, the more we're able to have hope that everything you promised us is going to work out like you said. Even if it takes an extended period of time. We're on Noah, right? God says, Noah, I want you to build the ark. It's going to rain. It's going to flood the earth. How many believe 10 years is a long time? If I were to say, to you, I'm going to make you a promise and you're going to get it in 10 years, that's a long time. But he didn't say 10 years. It wasn't 20 years. It wasn't 30 years or even 50 years. It wasn't even 75 years or 90 years. It was 100 years. But yet Noah, because of a personal relationship with God, had hope. We can't have hope in our life and in our walk of faith separated from the person of God. Otherwise, you know what it is? It's just a religion. It's just a set of practices. It's just a bunch of rules that we choose to follow. A relationship with the living God. All relationships are built on trust. Our relationship with Shua is built on trust. And we must build and grow that trust by getting to know him better and better and opening, opening our hearts and placing our trust in him. We sang it today, right? We could easily have said hope. We could, I will put my hope in you, Adonai Elohai. 
Yeshua, I will hope in you. We could have sang that, our faith, our trust, our hope. I will put my hope in you. I'm going to put hope in you. Those things that are going wrong in my life, I'm putting my hope in you that they're going to go right again. Hope, biblical hope, allows us to go through seasons, even elongated seasons, and not grow weary, and not be faint, and not give up on God, and not throw in the towel, and not be depressed and discouraged because things aren't working out in our life. Hope springs up and energizes us to move forward, saying this, that the God that we serve has a future for me that sees me getting through this difficult time victoriously. And I'm putting my hope in him. I want to challenge your relationship with God. I want to challenge your relationship with God. I want you to answer this question in your heart. How good is it? Not how much do you read the scripture. Not how long do you pray. How good is your relationship with Yeshua? And then seek to make it better. Seek to connect with him. Because every time you connect with him, hope springs forth in our heart. And I told you last week, and it's it's true, there's many times I've gone to God in prayer in my devotional times with challenges and there's things going on in my life just like in your life. And I've, I've, I've gone in, you know, kind of, you know, really uh, in need of God to meet with me. And God inevitably always meets with me. And he'll speak to me and he'll give me an encouraging word. But you know what the truth is? I'll walk, and when I was younger in the Lord, it used to frustrate me. Because I would, I would leave the time of devotions and say, nothing's changed. God, you just gave me a wonderful promise, but it seems like nothing has changed. Yeah, that's right. Nothing has changed. Except he's saying, put your hope in me. In the promise that you know I just spoke to you. It'll come to pass. Just trust me. And it's us getting to that place where he could encourage us with just a promise. Just like that teacher. He just promised those kids. If you graduate, I'll pay you for your tuition. How did they know he was going to come through? They trusted he was going to come through. And he did. And they were the better for it. The same is true for us. And how do we enter into that relationship? And that's my second point. Hope, that relational hope, that we have by our relationship with God happens from the new birth. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah. In his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Messiah Yeshua from the dead. An incorruptible, undefiled, and unfading inheritance, big words, Big promise that has been reserved in heaven for you. Wow, that's pretty cool. By faith or by trusting, you are being protected by God's power for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, 
that you have purified your souls in obedience to the truth, leading to sincere brotherly love, love one another fervently from a pure heart. You have been born again, not from perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all humanity is like grass and all its glory like a wild flower. The grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was proclaimed as good news to you. You see, in the context of a relationship with God, there is only one way to enter into that relationship, and that is through the new birth. That is being born again, born anew. You were born physically, because you're here, I see you. But here's the important question. Have you been born anew? And I'm going to tell you and show you some things. That's not a Gentile concept. That's a Jewish concept. Someone wrote this, that while the term born again has become a popular cultural appellation for Yeshua's followers, Judaism often uses rebirth as a metaphor to describe the change of a person's status. Such as when an individual converts to Judaism. The Talmud describes a convert to Judaism as a newborn infant. Rebirth also occurs on a man's wedding day. And the wives are saying this, right? (laughs) As he takes a wife, he becomes like a newborn child, it says in the Talmud. Jewish tradition teaches that when Israel offered sacrifices to God on Rosh Hashanah, God considered it as though he had created them a new being. That concept of being born again, born anew. Notice it's connect to a spiritual right, activity. God also told Moshe that he would create him into a new being when he called Moshe to speak as God's representative, and that's in Exodus Rabbah 3.15. Finally, Judaism frequently uses new birth to describe the world to come, right? Tikkun olam. Job looked forward to his renewal during the coming resurrection, and the Dead Sea Scrolls speak of works of renewal during the world to come. In this world and in her land... God's people look forward to the coming world because he will make creation new. And we know that even from the Brit Chadashah, right? That the old will pass in that way, right? There will be a new heaven and a new earth in which dwells righteousness. That's what the word of God says. That God, there's going to be a newness. And Yeshua talking about being born anew should have resonated with... um, Nicodemus. It didn't, but Yeshua just used the opportunity to teach him about it. Nicodemus didn't comprehend the significance of Yeshua's declaration that a person must be born again. And I want to tell you, if you're in this room and you've only been born once, you've only been born once, the truth is, we don't have a relationship. We're outside of a covenant relationship with God. You could say that's problematic, but here's the truth, is if you 
allow God to touch your heart and you are born anew into the kingdom of God, he will radically transform your life and your heart. He will awaken you to spiritual things that you're currently dead to. And that's what happened, I think, for most of us in this room, right? That when we were living, only born once, living our life, doing our own thing, right? Things weren't, they were what they were. But when we said yes to Yeshua and we were born anew, right? What happened? The spiritual floodgates opened up and all of a sudden we had a connection to God through that new birth. We were reborn in essence. It was a new life. It was different. It was like coming into a new world again. I tell people, to me, when I walked outside after I accepted Messiah as my Savior, that the, the, the grass was greener, the, the sky was blue. It was like I was seeing things for the first time, yet I was alive 25 years at that point. Everything was brand new. Why? Because my spirit was dead to God. It was not connected to God. It came to life when I said yes to Yeshua. The point is, is that hope is accessed through our relationship with God and a relationship with God is accessed through being born anew. So here's my question for you. One, if you have been born anew, how is that relationship with God going? And answer me this question. And if you can answer yes to this, then you have homework. Could your relationship with God be better? Can it be better? If you say, Rabbi, my relationship with God could be better, then we have work to do. And I can tell you, my relationship with God could be better. No doubt. But the second question is, have you been born anew? Did you come to a point in your life where you said, God, I am acknowledging that Yeshua came and paid the penalty for my sins and I'm placing all of my hope and trust in him. Notice the word hope and trust in him. Because that's where hope comes from. Comes from a relationship with God. Have you ever done it? Have you ever said yes to God and yes to Yeshua? Have you ever repented of your sins? Have you done it? Friends, that is the access point. Yeshua told this story. He said, you know, thieves and robbers try to circumvent the gate. He says, I am the gate. I am the gate. You can't get into the kingdom of God unless you come through me. You can't go around it. You can't climb up some other way. You have to say yes to the Messiah. There is no other way in. You must be born anew. So my question to you is, have you been born anew? Well, Rabbi, I don't know if I have been born anew. Well, if you don't know, then you haven't been. (laughs) Because it is an unforgettable event. I can tell you the day, the month, and the year that I was born anew. I know it because it was revolutionary in my life. Can you do that? If you can, then 
You go, yeah, you've been born anew. But if you don't know if you have, guess what? God, hope cannot be alive in your heart. That's why we have hopelessness in this world. That's why people wake up in the morning, they check their stock portfolio, and they're depressed. Or they say, my goodness, I'm 60 years old and I got nothing in the bank. It's not going to go well for me. Or they say, man, my family's a mess. I might as well toss in the towel. No hope. But if you've been born anew, then the hope of Israel is living in your heart. And no matter what comes your way, you know that God is going to come through in your life. Not might come through, is going to come through. Because he's faithful to his promises. I'm closing, but I want you to to answer those questions. Can your relationship with God be better? And have you been born anew? Do you know when it happened? Did God make your spirit alive to him? And I'm not talking about, did you take a class in college on religion? (laughs) Because those classes are often taught by unbelievers. Because it's just not about, like I said, the Bible, not just about a formula. It's about a relationship with the living God. The scripture we read says, being born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Messiah Yeshua from the dead. Incorruptible, undefiled, and unfading inheritance. How many people want an unfading inheritance? God is promising you an unfading inheritance. I don't know about you, my family wasn't rich, (laughs) so they didn't leave me a tremendous inheritance. But God promises us an unfading inheritance for those who are his children. Stored up in heaven for you, isn't that something? By faith, we are protected by God's power. In this life, we have divine protection What this means for us at the end of the day when these things are present in our life, a relationship when we've been born anew, there is for us hope. You can't quantify it outside of those things. What is hope anyway, right? How do you quantify hope? You can't except when you're in the relationship with God, with the person of God, hope is alive in your heart. It's not quenched by struggle and hardship or difficulty. This hope leads us to an incorruptible, undefiled, and unfading inheritance. Guys, that teacher, that person stood before that class and made them an offer. No one else was making them that offer, right? Poor kids who are going to likely flunk out of school and end up on the streets of Harlem were given an opportunity. 
through that person. I want to tell you, you're, give, you're being given an opportunity today by the person of Yeshua. Okay, that your life could have a treasure of inheritance stored up for your life. If you say yes to him. Just like that fellow, he made the offer and left. Yeshua makes the offer to you. If you're in this room and you've never said yes to Yeshua, listen, you know, these things, people say, oh, this is an awkward time. It's not awkward for me. <laughs> it's really not awkward for me. If you want a relationship with God to change your life, he's here today. And he's saying, will you believe the testimony of my son? Will you say yes to him? Will you say, yes, I'll believe? Will you repent from your sin and follow Yeshua, simply put? If you'll do that, guess what? He will live in your heart and hope will live in your heart. There's things you could call on God. He'll be with you 24-7. He'll be with you through the struggles. He'll be with you through the great times. He'll be with you through the challenging times. Yet, life doesn't go away, but I'll tell you what, it becomes really, really, really bearable when you have a relationship with God. He takes those rough places and makes them smooth. He raises up the valleys and lowers the hills that would be able to walk through life and make it. When so many aren't making it, by the way. So if you're in this room and you've never been born anew, you're going to have an opportunity to do that now. It's not a hard sell, guys. If you want, like those kids, you could go to college or you could not. It's up to you. The guy was willing to pay. Yeshua has already paid. He paid the price for you. The question is, the ball is in your court. Do you want to receive what he's offering? If you do, pray after me. Lord Yeshua. Forgive me of doing my own thing, of going my own way, and rejecting you. Lord Yeshua, I repent of my sins, of my waywardness, and I accept your atoning work, and I choose to follow you and your teachings all the days of my life. Spirit of God, Fill me. Show me how to live my life. Give me a hunger and a thirst for the word of God and for the ways of God. Empower me to live in a relationship with Yeshua. Amen. You see, if you pray that and meant it in your heart, God will change your life. That's how I did it. You know what? I didn't even do it in a room like this. I did it. I was in my bedroom. And I invited Yeshua into my heart. And I told you, I walked out of that room. And into the, I was like, holy cow. Something <laughs> real happened to me. This is amazing. Because in my heart, guys, I, I, I was fed up with the world. It had nothing left to offer me. 
I did everything they told me was going to bring me satisfaction and nothing did. They lied to me. Oh, this will make you happy and that will make you happy and after you do this, you'll be happy and after you get that, you'll be happy. And I was never happy. But when God said, if you receive my son, you'll be happy, that was true. When I received the Messiah into my heart, my life got happy, even though my situation didn't seemingly change. Why? Because hope came alive in my heart that I can't explain, that I really can't quantify, but I know it's real. And so if you did that today, congratulations to you. And if you did that today, I want to encourage you, draw close. Remember, how good is your relationship with God? Can it be better? Well, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, it's going to get better and better and better. But if you're walking with God for a while, here's my question to you. Could your relationship with him be better? If it can, go home, go home from this place and make it better. And what's going to happen in your life? And you know what? This could happen. You could be walking with God for 40 years. And by just the decision of your will to work on your relationship with Yeshua even more, your life could go to a new level in God that you never even imagined to be even there. Just like a human relationship, your relationship could go to a new place in God. So that's my question to you. Can your relationship be better with God? If it can, go make it happen. If you prayed that for the first time, Come let me know. But guys, I want to tell you that in this world of hopelessness, there is a living hope. His name is Yeshua. He wants to live in your heart by the power of the Ruach Kodesh and help us. My goodness, people are stumbling and bumbling and fumbling all over the place in this world. But those, right, who wait on the Lord, who renew their hope, man, he said, will soar. Like wings on eagles, right? We're going to soar through this life and be able to make it. Amen. Stand to your feet. Let's pray. God, I thank you. Just take a second and bow your heart before God. You know where your relationship with God is. You know if it's so fantastic that it couldn't get a a drop better. You know if it needs a little bit of work. You know if you're born anew. You know if you're not. You know if you want that to change, right? It's simply up to you. God gives us the choice. He puts the ball in our court. He did all the hard work. It's up to you. But I would say, like Joshua said to the children of Israel, before you is life and death, please, 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 please choose life. Choose life. A life invested in God is a worthwhile life to live, let me tell you. So, Father, I pray for your people, God, each one. Father, those who, Lord, know you and love you and serve you, God, and perhaps have lost some of that, God, perhaps have been, Lord, overburdened by life and its troubles, Father, that you would, Lord, refresh them. God, that you would draw them back, Lord, as they choose to to work on their relationship with you once again, God, that you would revive and refresh them. Father, for those who never had a relationship with you, God, I pray, Lord, that you would cause, Lord, the life of your spirit to spring forth in their hearts. God, that they would be transformed in your mercy. God, that you would show them that there is a better way 
and the way of the world. God, that you would show them, God, that you choose to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that they could even ask or imagine. Father, I pray that you would show them, Lord, what a living hope really is, that it would spring forth in their hearts like never before. So, Father, I pray for your people. Father, bless them. Father, pour out your ruach upon them. Father, empower them, God. Help them. Be with them. And, Lord, we ask it, B'Shem Yeshu, and God's people said, Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance and give you peace. Father, I pray that the supernatural peace of Messiah would guard my brothers and sisters' heart and mind. And we ask it in the precious and wonderful name of the Messiah, Yeshua. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening. Shabbat Shalom. Go ahead and do what I said. Go pursue God in a relationship with him. Amen.